Welcome back to One Visit Away with your host, Kevin Fitzpatrick. This show focuses on true stories of philanthropy in order to understand what it takes to succeed in major gift fundraising. Listen to these stories and you'll realize you're just one visit away from a transformational experience for your benefactors and your organization. If you've listened to this podcast for more than 10 seconds, you know that my entire goal is to get you to schedule more visits. Most major gift fundraisers fail in this industry because they do not do the difficult, scary work of scheduling visits with the right people consistently. The majority of my success in major gifts came from constantly seeking to become as effective as possible at scheduling visits. I read tons of sales books, watched YouTube videos from sales experts, and studied Jerry Pandas' materials on the matter. On top of that, I practiced. The things I learned from experts gave me the confidence to actually make the calls. Today, I have a great resource that I highly recommend you download. Greg Warner from MarketSmart, this episode's sponsor, has put together a guide to help you schedule more visits. It's titled, Top 10 Tips for Landing More Meetings. Not only does Greg run a company that enables major gift fundraisers to be more effective, but he is a successful entrepreneur that has scheduled countless meetings and been on the receiving end of many people trying to schedule meetings with him. He knows a thing or two about this subject and provides 10 great tips, starting with a quote from someone you know I talk about on this podcast all the time, Jerry Panis. Greg is the real deal, and this guide will help you schedule more visits. Go download it now at imarketsmart.com forward slash more meetings. That's imarketsmart.com forward slash more meetings. The bonus tip, number 11, is my personal favorite. Let me know what you think. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to One Visit Away. Thanks for joining this week. A couple things to talk about. Yeah, some of you know, uh, getting closer to launching the course on major gifts. Um, Really, at this point, I'm... I'm having kind of the the background built for you know what the what the set essentially is going to look like. That'll be done this week, and then I'm going to start filming. Um, and there's a couple other just technology things I need to put into place. So for everybody that's on that 20 person waiting list for the uh, founding members group um, that are getting getting access to it early at a big discount, um, I should have the the payment. Uh, opportunity available within the next week or so. But I'm working on that. So things are moving forward, getting closer to the launch. So thank you for everybody that's uh, signed up for that. And um, I think you're really going to enjoy it. So anyway, that's just a little update on what's going on with that. But this week, I've got a couple of stories for you. Um, The first one is from a sales situation when I started um, in my consulting business and I, it applies a lot to major gifts. And this is the, when I hear people say like sales and major gifts are nothing alike, something I've talked on this podcast before, I, I just can't believe that uh, people that say that have a lot of experience in sales, especially in maybe more like expensive sales, which I would uh, consider closer to working in major gifts um, because I I just don't, I don't see how you could do this, do both of them and do both of them well and just be like, oh, they're, they're nothing alike. So 
anyway, if you if you have sold a very expensive service or product um, and done so very successfully, um, I and you think that sales and major gifts are nothing alike, as always, I'm open to having a friendly conversation on the podcast. And uh, yeah, let me know. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, here's the story. So I had, I had just... It was right around the time that I was going full-time in my consulting business, and I learned about uh, an organization where basically uh, I realized that someone that I happened to know was now running uh, a very large nonprofit. And and I'll, I'll, I'll leave it vague like that, essentially, but much larger than the average size of most of my clients. And so I, I knew this was going to be kind of a long shot of me hoping to to get this organization's business. And to uh, for all of you who don't know, wh- what I do is uh, in my coaching business, primarily working one-on-one with leaders of nonprofits on major gifts. So anyway... I know that this person is now running a very large organization, and I reached out to him and I was like, "Hey, um, I just told him I'd, I'd like to have a conversation with you about um, major gift coaching and how I might be able to help you." And so he responded, say yes, scheduled the meeting. I go over to his office, and and you know this was a unique opportunity for me because it was, like I said, r- right around the time I was launching my business full time and this was a, a huge opportunity. And so I was, you know, I kept thinking of all these things I was gonna say and how I was gonna, you know, convince uh them to to hire me and all the value I was gonna provide and how I was gonna kind of justify what I brought to the table. And and you know, I started thinking of all these these objections they might have. Like, look, I'm young, uh I'm you know, still in my late twenties. And I was just like, you know, I gotta, I gotta figure out how to convince him that I still know all this stuff. And he's probably going to be thinking this. And then I'm also thinking, well, they've got this huge budget. They could afford anybody. Um, you know, I I was just, I was just going through all these different scenarios in my mind and how I was going to handle particular objections and all that stuff. And if I were to do all that, I would just be talking for, you know, <laughs> 30 minutes or an hour. And I wouldn't even know what was actually going on. So when I got into the meeting, instead of doing all that and just like, let me try to uh, handle every objection that this person could possibly come up with before they even bring it up. So it's just a no brainer and the, the deal is done. And, you know, that could have taken many meetings to go through all that nonsense. But instead of that, um, you know, had the normal chit chat, um, at the beginning of the conversation. And then, uh, about 10 minutes in after we're kind of done with the chit chat, just catching up on life. I just said, so Bob, I'm, I'm curious. You're now in this position. You could hire anybody in the world to, to do this type of training with you. There's lots of people who are, you know, have done this a lot longer than me. Um, why did you accept this meeting today with me? And then Bob went on to tell me uh, all these reasons why he was extremely interested in what I brought to the table. And 
it, you know, immediately that one question, you know, why, why did you agree to have this meeting with me today? Cut through all of the BS that was going on in my mind that was, uh, you know, would have just been a distraction to the conversation and me just trying to prove myself the whole time. And so anyway, that instead of having a bunch of meetings, trying to go through all this stuff, after 45 minutes, we had a great conversation, talked about what it might look like uh, to work together. Um, we discussed uh, pricing and what, you know, their budget was and all that stuff. And, and by the end of that meeting... Bob had requested for me to send over a proposal, and so I did that, and you know, within just a couple weeks, we were working together. And so I, I, the reason I bring up this story is it's so applicable to major gifts. If you go around like most organizations, just trying to make your case, you know, have the perfect pitch and all this stuff, and it's, um, you're going to struggle to have success. Yeah, so the main thing is, if, if you're spending all your time just talking during the visit, you're never giving the donor the opportunity to tell you what's on their mind. And trust me, what's on their mind is way more important than whatever you've prepared, the you know 57 bullet points that you think it's valuable for them to know. So one, it just gives you better insight into what's going on in their mind and their heart. But then two, the more you can get them talking, uh, the more they feel like the conversation went really well. So generally speaking, whoever talks the most in a conversation uh, is the one that feels like it was a super awesome conversation. It's not always the case, but generally speaking, if you sit down with a donor and you just have them sit there while you, you know, yak away for 95% of the time, which happens frequently, uh, they're not going to have enjoyed that meeting. Doesn't matter how amazing of a performance you put on. No one wants to just listen for 95% of the time or 70% of the time. Generally speaking, you want to be talking about 25% of the time and leave 75% of the time open for the donor to talk. And the only way you can do that is by asking good questions. You're not just going to sit there awkwardly and I'm supposed to let you talk 75% of the time. No, we need to have good questions to ask. And so, you know, one question I like to ask in a you know major gift visit, if I am sitting down with a person, generally the framework I like to use is, again, I begin with the chit chat that goes on for however long we want. And then I, there's always this awkward pause <clears throat> when everybody knows it's kind of time to talk about philanthropy or the organization or whatever it is. And the, the best way you can handle that awkward pause is to ask a good question that clearly transitions the conversation to the, the topic of the day, essentially. And, you know, so there's several ways you can do this. But one I like to do, if it's, if it's with a new prospect, someone you've never met before who's never given to the organization, you want to get a sense of what they think about this organization. So when there's that awkward pause, I'll just ask somebody, so Bob, tell me, you know, I'm sure there's lots of places that reach out to you um, to schedule visits with you, but you said yes to our organization. Tell me just, I, I know you're still new to what we do, but tell me what is it about our organization that at least got you interested enough to say yes to a visit with me. And I'll ask that question. 
Because what someone says in response to that is going to give me so much more information than if I just assume all these things of, oh, it's because they love this, and or maybe it's because their <clears throat> their son or their daughter or their cousin went to our university or whatever it is. Forget all that and just ask. And you're going to know so much more about it. I hope that story has been helpful to y'all. Um, it really is one of the the greatest uh, superpowers I could uh, grant you, I guess. If I could tell you, if there's one thing that's going to make your visits go so much better, it's learning to ask really good questions. And so, yeah, any chance you get um, to ask a question of a benefactor, do it. Um, start implementing that and you're going to see much greater success in, in what you're trying to do. So anyway, I hope this episode has been valuable to you. If it has, please leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Also, um, please share it with other development professionals. The podcast has been growing a lot lately. Um, you know, we've hit over 25,000 downloads um, so far, and which is pretty cool. As always, I hope this episode has inspired you to schedule more visits. After all, you're just one good question away from closing a significant gift for your organization.